This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host, dancing Dr. Daniel Prue, sitting to my left. Dr. Prue, I hear you just got back from serving at Starfleet Medical. Uh, what prompted the return? Well, you know when you go on vacation and you have to kind of leave someone to do your work for you uh-huh. and they just kind of muck it all up, right? <laughs> well, honestly, I heard that the the person that was my replacement is like 400 years old or something <laughs> and just she just can't cut it, so I had to come back. And I'm also joined with my other co-host uh, Monsieur Philip Gilfis, who is the head of the local uh, patronage department here. I mean, really, all of Deck 3? You want to turn all of Deck 3 into, like, a theater rec center? I I don't know if we can do that, Philip. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, I uh, we, we have a great show. Um, we're going to be doing Waiting for Godot. I sort of cleared out um, one of the, the rooms, Cargo Bay, to... You know, I was going to use the main shuttle bay, but, you know, nobody wants to go in there. So uh, I think there's asbestos. But anyway, so we've cleared out everything. We put up and wait, wait, hold on, being told. We have a holodeck. We should probably just use that. Never mind. <laughs> Is it, would, it be, would it be space bestus? Um, it would, it would, it, it does give you, if, you know, and I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, so I really couldn't tell you. (laughs) Do you, do you have to still build, you know, is there like a contract for the built sets? Is that the local 1701 that, you know, the the unions? The problem is they subcontracted to this pack led operation and I'm just, (laughs) I'm just not, have a lot of confidence. They're like, do you, have you picked up the materials? We need things. (laughs) <laughs> Which is weird that they went with the lowest bidder because we don't have money. So I don't. Uh, we just need a, things. Things we, to make us act. <laughs> things to make us art. No, no, no. Uh. See, we go to the construction site and they're just sitting there and they're like, guys, why don't you do anything? They're like, we need things to make us move. Like <laughs> uh, well, Packlid uh, Construction Union is not the only thing. <laughs> Uh, and and no, that we—that's the title. New character class that I'm doing for the role playing game. <laughs> oh man! But uh, but no, uh, we 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 got the subtle hint. It has been on the books for a while, so don't think we just popped this up. But we are going to be talking about no. Uh, we're going to be talking about Dr. Beverly Crusher today, another main character here on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, we actually know who she is. She's actually been around quite a bit. And I think one of the, I mean, we, we often said, you know, the reason we hadn't gotten around to, to Beverly yet was when we first started this, you know, we just wanted to just take our time. You know, we didn't want to just rush through all the main cast. And I'm sure we'll circle back around to talk about Data and Worf and Troy again, you know, Torf and Dady and whatever combinations <laughs> we can think of. That's off the cuff. That doesn't work. But. That, was, that was good, though. I liked it. I was like, what are we going to like, do Dorf and Rusher? And basically everything that the fan There's community wants. many combinations. Okay, I have a chart because really that's what you need to keep track of it all uh we also have obriker uh, that's one uh, <laughs> oh break well, we, o- we, we did have a we did have a rusher technically so you know what would be oro is that O-ro. is it oh <laughs> uh, but as we're getting off time so no, wait, we, we just make everybody we've got oginan <laughs> and ojordy like, uh, that's bad we shouldn't do that actually um, but no, we're not uh, pairing up random fanfics here on our <laughs> Next episode. Today. No, we are talking about Beverly. And wow, what a great character to talk about. The The first point I wanted to bring up was, again, remembering that, again, this is the first Doctor we see, you know, past 
the original series. And this is not Bones, Spock, and McCoy, TOS. This is more of an ensemble group. You know, you definitely have a big dynamic with Picard and Riker. You definitely have a big dynamic with, uh, you know, Data. And so it's just, it's not, it's, well, I mean, well, Data's a science officer, I guess. So it's not, it's not like the Picard Data Crusher show. You know, she's not, you know, talking about how much she's not a doctor. Actually, I don't know if she ever even says, I'm not a doctor in this seven seasons. But uh, what do you guys think just on, the beginning of this character on the beginning of Beverly, the CMO, you know, just, it's a very different role, a very different portrayal, but, but one we've, that really set the standard for, you know, the doctor character going forward. What do you think, Daniel? You know, it's, uh, I'm, I, I, it blows my mind. I've never thought about this before, but when you just mentioned the fact that uh, Beverly doesn't have a, I'm not a doctor. I'm a blank line. <laughs> I'm a dancer. Um, I'm a director. I'm a dancer. I'm, I'm a dancer. Yeah, <laughs> which would have which would have worked. Dang it, Daniel! <laughs> I'm not a mother. I'm a, oh no way. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Doesn't she say I'm a doctor, not a dancer? I mean, it's kind of reverse, but uh, it's uh, you know, I every other doctor has that line, right? I mean, EMH we, does but, it all the time. Uh, EMH gives <laughs> it all the time, but I'm pretty sure Bashir has it at least once or twice. Yeah. And I think even Phlox does it possibly. I could be wrong on that one, but I'm a uh, doctor. Once or not, twice. I'm yeah. a doctor, Captain, not a bricklayer. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it, that wasn't a really good Phlox. Maybe you should just, you know. Uh, so I'm not on Warp Five. I just, yeah, there were really auditions. Yeah. Yeah, there um, were auditions. It was it was brutal. She is very unique, though, right? She is very unique in the Doctors. I mean, not just because she's the only woman Doctor <clears throat> that we get, uh, but... Pulaski. Well, come on now. <laughs> We're talking introduction to... to, to you know, whatever, Philip, whatever. <laughs> you see, yeah, Doctor CMO in the beginning of the series. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I I like Doctor Crusher, um, and, and I'm sure... We'll get into it later, but you know, in the in encounter, we kind of get a history, a little bit of the sense of history, uh, and that's interesting. And I like that they explore it a little bit, but never too much, which could be a real problem for a lot of kind of television, especially at the time. Those kinds of things would go out of hand. Um, sometimes she doesn't actually come across as like the most super competent doctor, <laughs> which is uh. Which is kind of too bad uh, of all of the doctors, like including the EMH, who is made of technology. She comes off as the doctor most reliant on, you know, sp- special light beams that come out of devices to fix everyone. And she really needs a bio bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, but I, she's an interesting character. Um, like we talked when we did the Troy episode, kind of a neglected character, but I'm sure, well, I'm sure we'll get into all that. I mean, she was in a uniform the whole time, though. I mean, albeit <laughs> with a jacket, though. I, I did notice the jacket. Which, I mean, I think the jacket just covered her pips because was it, was it, I mean, at least for me, it was a while before I realized she was a commander. Like, she's the other Breaks commander the on the ship. <laughs> and, and, and the only reason that that was allowed was because of what Philip just said. She had the jacket on. Riker couldn't see that she had the commander pips. So that's why it was totally allowed. So, like, when she's in that little chair on the bridge um and then like Riker leaves so she just like lowered a little bit and then like, comes back and, like has to snap it back on like you know how will is he has anytime, commander envy anytime Riker comes around she has to pop her collar yeah. <laughs> that's true i mean now i'm does, now there's does, two commanders flanking picard sitting on the bridge does does when will leaves does picard call her number 1 <laughs> Well, we won't get into the fanfic of what Picard calls Beverly when Riker's not around. Oh gosh! But but yeah, but no. Well, and it's I really I really like her character though. I think yeah, like you said, uh, Daniel. You know that not exactly. She suffers a lot from again what a lot of the female characters kind of suffered from in TNG, where they just weren't quite given a full run potential obviously it very much became the you know data picard show for quite a while but 
but she does stand out in in a couple episodes. I wanted to touch uh, on a few of them, and then we, I think that'll lead to some some greater discussion. Uh, Remember me is kind of one of the first ones on my list, which unfortunately is in season four, <laughs> but um, it's the otherwise known as the one where she's in the bubble universe and everyone's forgetting everyone. Which not the best written episode, but definitely she gets to you know prove her show her acting chops right there. Um, yeah, Remember Me is an interesting episode. It's, like you said, it's, unfortunately doesn't, you know, it's not until the fourth season there. Uh, it is a strong Beverly episode. Um, it's not one of my favorites, honestly, but it's not. It's in the trilogy of the Traveler Blu-ray. So, I mean, you you just can't pass by it, Daniel. You know, Journey's End will make no sense if you don't see Remember Me. Gosh, please, no. It is that's actually an element of it that I forget a lot of the time. Honestly, like when I remember Remember Me, like I remember Crusher holding on to the thing and her no. legs are flailing about <laughs> and and then Wesley and time bubbles. And that's all I remember. But then it actually like you're mentioning Philip, it's actually kind of integral to the Wesley plot because it kind of is like Oh, by the way, we haven't forgotten the travelers out there, and has a uh, maybe unhealthy obsession with your son, possibly. Yeah, I, I don't think of them as much as traveler episodes as traveler scenes, because yeah. it's, it's like it's like oh, let's just sprinkle the traveler in. He's like Q Junior, you know, he can make it happen. I'm scratching off my traveler character profile next week because you couldn't you even 20, imagine the, with that character the 20 profile. minute episode no, you can't you no. can't even it's not it's dangerous to even talk about them <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but i mean like that is a good episode i mean there's there's not well there are a few um there's not i was gonna say there's not that many crusher or dr crusher <laughs> i'll have to do that modifier um centered episodes because there's not a lot of the good sub rosa and oh, yeah, well, no, here I, I have some good uh, ones i just I, I led know. that for a time but yeah, yeah but but yeah but i mean it is good that she gets one because you know she's uh, you know talked with an old friend we get a little bit of you know what she's all about so um so no i i, I definitely like this and think it's a good episode i didn't want to cut out an episode that was so obviously a beverly episode i mean it's it's a, definitely her episode episode about a, a uh I just keep hearing the woman at warp in the back of my head every time I make a comment, and I'm just like, crushed okay, it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but, well, let's pull out the big gun, though. The next one I really want to talk about is Ethics, and that's uh, Season 5, Episode 16. That's oh. obviously the one where yeah. Worf falls and breaks his spine, and the other doctor, the bad doctor... Wait, wait, does wants... he fall, or does the plastic barrel seemingly empty fall on top of him? <laughs> That's right. That's right. The deadly barrel that's not secured in a spaceship. Question. Falls. Did it do a barrel roll? It did. It literally did a barrel roll. Barrels. Barrels can be deadly, kids. Yeah. Do not always press, always press A to get out of a barrel roll. Uh, but yeah, so the, bar- the barrel. Uh, we already talked five minutes about the barrel. The barrel falls <laughs> on Wharf. Barrel breaking his spine. Two weeks from now. And. And yeah, and this is a great episode because, you know, it's 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 freaking conflict. It's conflict of your main character, your main doctor going up against this other doctor and, you know, who's right? You know, obviously I mean the the other doctor goes ahead with her crazy plan and it works, but you know, what if it hasn't worked? What if Michael Dorn's like, I don't want to be on this show anymore? <laughs> and it's like, I mean, that'd be a terrible thing to do to Beverly's character just to get him out of the episode. But, uh, but yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes. It's, it's a great, uh, just, just great character piece for her. Yeah. We, we haven't a seen a clash of the doctors since the 50th anniversary of doctor who, um, I'm kidding. Um, because I, I think what makes this episode interesting is that what usually makes um, Starfleet doctors so passionate is that they're always sort of the ethical voice, that they're always talking about um, how important medicine is, about the ethics. You know, they're the, they're the ones that are yeah. like, let me do my job, Captain, you know, whether it's, whether yeah. it's McCoy or Bashir or <laughs> Prime Fox. Prime Directive be damned. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Like the, 
and I'm blanking on it, the one with the Irish terrorist. Um, yeah, that's yeah, what I was thinking of, too. But, yeah. I mean, that's not just one. But she that's sort of the doctor's, like a stereotypical, but in a good way, Starfleet doctor. Like, you know, I need to take care of my patient first. You know, do right. no harm, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, Everything was cool, and then someone got shot right in front of me, and now I got to do something. You yeah. know, I can't just ignore it. But I mean, that's what ethics is. You sort of do get that her her being that you know playing that passionate doctor, which they all do, um, no matter what series it is. But but I mean, that's, I don't say that in a bad way. But she sort of shows that she measures up at least. Oh yeah, and and some great visual effects. I mean, the visual effects of the the Klingon spine and the laser beams and all the all those part. I mean, it's a. I think it's one of the first. Well, no, it's not the first time we see the surgical gown, but it is a re- return of the red, you know, top hat surgical gown, which is always a fa- fan favorite. But uh, what do you think, Daniel, of uh, ethics? We we pulled out the big guns. I mean, it's a, it's an Alexander episode, so we wanted to pull this out for you. <laughs> see, oh, that's gosh. that's what I was thinking Bring about. Me the knife. <laughs> uh, yes, give give Riker the knife. He knows exactly what to do with it. Um... Uh, it's no, it's a it is a strong Beverly episode, and like you mentioned, that we get the conflict between her and uh, you know the the, the doctor of the doctor week. cameo. That's, I believe that was her name. Yeah. <laughs> um, joining the four zero seven seven, she is so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is an interesting uh, kind of uh, clash there, um, and then of course it all works out super fantastic in the end, and then he gets a new spine magically, but. Um, it's an, it's actually, it's, it's an interesting conversation because, um, I believe someone just recently in the Babel conference was talking about how there are episodes where like the heroes of the episode, quote unquote, or the, the characters that we know and love maybe aren't on the right side of things. And while I'm not going to go so far as to say that, cause it's been a little while since I've seen ethics. I will say that it's. That's I remember so unethical of you, Daniel. I can't believe it. <laughs> I will say it's like I remember always thinking, maybe not necessarily that Beverly was right. That it's a very complicated issue, and yeah. it's. I can definitely see both sides of that argument. Like this, if again memory serves me correctly, like the woman was getting results. It was just a uh, extreme cost, and so it, it's not necessarily a black and white issue which actually makes it a better episode for that uh but yeah because i think that the at least the interesting thing from beverly's standpoint is not only is she arguing medical ethics but she's sort of biased in a good way she's like well this is my friend right you know it's not just a patient for your crackpot theories of yeah it's like (laughs) you want to publish a paper yeah don't experiment on these these are real people i mean when again it's very stereotypical but it's in a good way that the doctor is always the humanity you know of Mm. of the science and of the whatever even though they're usually sciencing the science but still they're also humaning the humaning um but like (laughs) or klinganging the uh, anyway, but the, but they're like, like these are people. Red alert! The analogy is breaking down. <laughs> Divert emergency power to algorithms. <laughs> um, but but I mean, so I, I think that Beverly has. I think I'm going to say this, and then you'll probably prove me wrong. Has good relationships with everyone on the crew, though. Yeah, I'd say she does. I mean, whether it's acrobat or you know, or, or aerobics partners. Um, you know, I mean, maybe she could, maybe she could spend a half an hour or two more with Wesley, but uh, but I don't. Well, how do they I, go together, uh, Daniel? I'm not really seeing that pairing. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I think along with what you said, Daniel is, I mean, I think she's right, but ethics is also a lot about there's no right or wrong. It's not like she's right and the other doctor's wrong. It's like it's it's way more complex than that. There's so many factors. And, you know, one other thing, too, and we briefly mentioned it before, but a lot of times we get, um, you know, we get the doctor and that that crazy occasion where they're like, they have to threaten the, the captain and be like, I can take authority away from you, by the oh, way. I, I can know. relieve you of uh, medically. Yep. But but this is, I think, one of the only times, uh, and I'm, uh, I would have to stretch my memory really far to say the only time, but one of the only times for sure. Where we get like, like it's a it's actually a medical issue with conflicting medical opinions. Like, it's mm. not just her; it is this other entity who has a lot of of weight and uh, you know authority as well. But still, Beverly gets to kind of flex her 
I am the, you know, no, no, I am the chief medical officer officer of this ship, and uh, I get to say what goes. So that's this, always exciting. This to line, see. no further. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't remember Doctor Sailor ever back mouthing her. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, another great Beverly episode. Uh, this is this is a great mystery. Uh, is uh, suspicions? Yes, that is a good one. Yeah, episode uh, season six, episode twenty-two, the one with the dead Ferengi and the metaphasic shields, uh, which they actually use later. Continuity, take that. Used by Beverly too. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, this was a great episode. I mean, and again, another. You know, I, it's she goes against the Frankie wishes, and you know Picard's like double face palming. He's not happy. Like this is not good. And and when our characters, you know, are making decisions like this, and there where there are definitely repercussions, you know, that's that's great television. And I do love that this is the Quincy episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation with the Doctor <laughs> going is. around solving crimes. It is. Um, uh, which, which, no, but but I mean, even though that it's it was it's it's very like it's a Star Trek episode, obviously. But it, I mean, but it, it's almost like any other. It could be another TV episode, but that's not. I don't mean that in a bad way because you have this the storytelling way of like Guinan and her, and so she's telling it as a flashback. But then it kind of goes into a forward, you know, because this time starts to go from the present, like in the middle of the episode. So, so I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, it is a good episode for her because it shows that Beverly's like you always hear about them going to conferences elsewhere. But this is like the the first time they're actually doing a medical conference actually on the Enterprise, which they have room to do a conference on the Enterprise because it's big enough. Um, and oh, yeah. so, because you know what you know what you know what's smart about Beverly, you go to conferences at other planets, you get captured by the Jem'Hadar, replaced by a changeling, <laughs> happens all the time. But look, if you have a conference on the ship, no problem. <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> the the problem with that episode is that it doesn't really make sense for her to do what she does in that episode like she's like in charge of this very very clearly laid out engineering project like it feels like a almost like a Jordy no episode. One would listen. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, she she burst through all the th- th- theories and got things going. <laughs> She's the Shelby of Metaface. She, oh, God. <laughs> it just it feels like a Jordy episode that they put. They you know they you know, you know there's just no pleasing s- you, Daniel. We give a blue shirt an episode, <laughs> and what do we hear? <laughs> this should have been Jordy episode. <laughs> uh. But well, <laughs> did they well, did they take away your episode and give it to a less qualified blue shirt? But yeah, but no, this is definitely definitely a good episode. Another time we see her in command. Well, not a uh, this is a date episode, but uh, descent. She's up on the Enterprise, taking out the unique configuration Borg ship, uh, using her metaphasic technology, and you know. Taking names and and I mean she coaches Ensign, huh? And Lieutenant, what's his name? And so, <laughs> but you know, but no, yeah, it's it's a great command. I mean, she she has no problem ordering Jordy to his death, so she's been, she's been a commander <laughs> a while. No, that's a that is a great, and of course it sets sets up what what we weren't aware of at the time, but it sets up kind of what we saw in all good things as well. Like, yeah, hey, this woman is a doctor, but. She can tell people what to do. She can tell so many people what to do that she was head of Starfleet medical guys. Come on now. I know. It's like if someone wants to take over the Enterprise, they should just inhabit, you know, Crusher. Like, forget Picard or Worf. Like, she just medically order everyone to do what she wants. <laughs> you know, we know she wears the seat, the the, the pants in the uh, on the bridge, so. Uh, and then the last one, again, just a, a, for a, as far as top Beverly focused good episodes that I was thinking of. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, modifiers in that. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, attached. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a great, you know, obviously Picard, the season seven, episode eight. Pressure. Let's, let's, let's just cut through this fanfic right now, guys. And let's just, <laughs> let's just, you know, well, well, it was <laughs> the, it was the proto, Oh, guys, help me out Resolutions? here. Resolutions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Resolutions. So, wait. So, who played the monkey in this episode? Oh, gosh. Was it, was it Riker? Uh, it was. No, it was the uh, the the synaptic 
beacons on the back of their head. That was the third character. Oh, okay. <laughs> traveled with them always. Wait, what is the, then are the the uh, the force fields are they the hot tubs of the, the jacuzzis <laughs> of this episode? I think we're stretching the analogy a little, <laughs> no, no, little far. We can go further. And it was no, I don't know. Divert emergency power to analogy. <laughs> I'm giving um. this all the go. <laughs> well, I mean it's a very interesting beginning of, and, and I mean, I know we kind of mentioned it, but like with the, I mean, Encounter did not set up a romance. It set up like, hey, my dead husband, you were the captain of. I mean, that's not, that does not a romance make. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm young. But anyway, you can tell me, Darren. Um, but anyway, you know. But, How would but, I know? You're married. <laughs> that is not quite the same situation. <laughs> oh, so you kept the name. Um, But anyway, but you know, and so, you know, obviously we have, otherwise known as Naked Now. But anyway, um, but yeah, but I love, I mean, and we've talked about it before, but I do love Attached because it it addresses it and it gives it depth and character that it's not just like, oh, we have feelings. It's Picard like, oh, well, way back when I had these feelings and this is where it all came from. And then you really get into them just sitting down and talking about it over campfire, of course. Um, And... To me, I think the challenge is, and maybe it's just like um, Janeway and Chakotay for Voyager fans, that people want them to resolve the relationship like Janeway and Chakotay. You know, oh, do it, do it, do it. But Attached, you know, doesn't do it, but does do it. I mean, like, hey, we addressed it. We talked about it. Yeah, they didn't make out at the end like crazy and, and have little more Wesleys. But, but... But, you know, it's kind of a mature—I mean, I'm not saying them ending up is not mature, but it's sort of a mature way to do this kind of will-they-won't-they. Well, and then—but because Attached wasn't the end of it, the end of it was All Good Things, where we see in this alternate future that they got married. I mean, it's not like we make the finale an episode where two of our characters fall for two completely different characters— that didn't even make sense. Like that'd be like Chakotay and Seven. Like where did that come from? <laughs> well, uh, well, well, I love, and again, I know I've said this before. I love that. Just and I know this. Well, I think it's maybe why they did it, or but like that's like, oh yeah, he went for card crusher together. They got married and divorced. Boom! Eat yeah. it, fans. All Eat off it. screen. All off screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, in in all good things, I mean, we get Captain Beverly. You know. Picard on the you know USS Pasteur with everyone loves this freaking ship. It's so awesome. Yeah, like that, <laughs> everyone. Uh, yeah, look when, when okay. you when that yeah, look that everyone. is a much safer sphere um, to crash with because it just rolls <laughs> through the mountains. No it one gets rolls. hurt. <laughs> She's like, look, I've been on ships that have crash landed. This is way safer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah. Anyway, no. Okay, maybe not everyone, but I I, I like the design of the Pastor. It's it's a, it's a nice break from the saucer design. So. A medical ship. <laughs> what what does God want <laughs> with a medical ship? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah. But this is just a list of obviously some of the the many episodes, good episodes listing focusing on. <laughs> there's lots of qualifiers, I know. But. I was gonna ask you guys, and I don't know if, if I'm preempting a topic, but did, did either of you ever want Picard Crusher to come to more fruition than it did? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have been fine if they had done more than you know the all good things teaser. But I, I guess, I don't know. That's I never really thought about it. So that, you would have you would have liked hard. if in Nemesis they like they start the scene with like Riker and Troy, but it pans out and it's actually Picard <laughs> and Crusher's wedding. <laughs> that that would have been very funny. When and when then, would it be all time, uh, Will? Later, Deanna. Why do you always then, do this to me at weddings? And then Wesley's like giving the most awkward toast imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like he'd be the ring bearer. Uh, oh god. Yeah. Oh god. Um no, actually I think um I think be, the girl he'd be played by a spotlight. The uh the girl from from the from the dolphin would be the ring bearer, I think. Uh, <laughs> it would be <laughs> learning to be his new <laughs> best man. <laughs> uh you know to answer the question I like I said in the beginning, I think that we didn't 
they didn't delve too much into it and they didn't go crazy with it, which I really, really appreciate. On the other hand, I do like what they did in All Good Things. Um, I don't think that I, I need to see them together. I don't think that they are, are some couple that belongs to each other or anything like that. Like, it's not destiny or anything. I like the idea that maybe, possibly, in a nebulous future, something would happen. But I don't see it happening while she's under his command. Mm. I think that that the seven years and the thousands of close calls that we got proves that they're both professional enough to kind of keep that relationship contained. And so I, I like the idea that, yeah, it could happen in the future. Just not... Not just not when they're on the same ship together, serving together. So Starbase, yes, but same ship, no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, some of the other aspects I wanted to talk about with uh, with Beverly's Crusher is like her hobby. She has a ton of great hobbies. She's theater, dance, cybernetics, and poker. I mean, that's Aer- great. Aerobics, <laughs> aerobics, yes, with uh, with Troy um, as they chew the proverbial fat, uh, but. Yeah, what'd now you guys think who's of... pushing the analogies? <laughs> what did uh, uh, well? I got that emergency backup power. Okay, um, roll. What uh, would you guys think of? You know, just like the theater aspect. How I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, Gates McFadden is a choreographer and really has a passion for theater, so it's kind of a natural extension of her character. Uh, but you know, from directing one man plays where Riker loses his sanity to you know. Uh, pretty much anything. It'd be sad, like if someone else wanted to be a you know a, a choreographer or or theater director on the ship because they're they're not. Sh- she's a commander. She's like one of the two commanders. You're just you're gonna get deported off that ship so fast. <laughs> commander of the of the stage. All right. No, um, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, look, Patrick gets to do Shakespeare stuff all the time. Can I do what I do? And fine, better Gates. No, but no, I did think it added like an odd because like I feel like when is Data's day? Is that like fifth season or sixth season? I think something like that. And, fifth, and, yeah, yeah, because that's when we get the first dancing reference. I, I think the directing may have come before that. Um, but like it's sort of like just like, yep, she's totally been the dancing doctor the whole Yeah, that kind of felt time. like a, you know, we need this for the episode, so we're gonna <laughs> retcon this into uh, And we into... have this guy who kinda looks like Brent if you kinda look far away <laughs> and he's a really good dancer in name. Data's Day is actually an early season four episode. Oh, is it? Believe it or well, not. There, I stand yeah. corrected. There you go. Um, yeah, so, but we get a couple good episodes where we're seeing this other side to her. And as, yeah, obviously as the seasons progressed, we got more of these off-time episodes, you know, be it Holodeck or Dixon Hill or, you know, Laser Dots. You know, there's there's a lot, there's, it's, it'd be hard to get bored on this ship. I, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but, but it was nice seeing, you know, these little aspects touched on her character, though, of, of other things she did. You know, I always felt like, you know, she is a you know, decent poker player and, and obviously had a fascination with cybernetics, which is handy having an Android on board. Uh, but you know, I think she was well equipped for that. Darren, I mean, if, if you, if you had an off switch, wouldn't you try to keep it secret too? Guys, data's broken. Should we take him to engineering? No, sick bay. Beverly sick bay. knows <laughs> yeah. what to do guys. Okay. <laughs> She's been taking a correspondence course. Um, she, she has gold shirt envy. I don't know what that's all I'm about. I'm still not sure why they don't have like a whole team of cyberneticists stationed on the Enterprise because it's the only freaking android in the Federation. Are you saying? Uh, are you saying that in season like five we should have gotten transfer to the Enterprise D, <laughs> Commander Bruce Maddox? I think that hey, would have. I would have. That would have been really been interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been. He because of the commander rule, so. Was he was he a full blown commander? We've had this I conversation. Feel, I know before. we've had this conversation. <laughs> I, I can't remember. remember. I don't remember the result of this. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, Darren. In your hand, there's going to be a three, a king. Oh no, <laughs> no, he was. He's he's a full commander, even in season two. You no, know, he's full blown commander. Uh, it's another blue shirt commander. Riker would just flip his <laughs> lid. Wait, wait, what kind of jacket would Bruce have to wear in order to? <laughs> Bruce Maddox, just that name. Like he sounds like a used car salesman. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Bruce Maddox. Come down to my you symposium. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, no, he's got the three pips. I see it uh, beneath his uh, evil smile. <laughs> I, I wish they brought him back now. I think that would have been really yeah, interesting. I think he would have been good. Well, I, yeah. I think they were waiting for the movies um, to answer. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, like, I think well, one thing that all these, like, I know we've gotten off topic, but I, one of the things that, that the, the hobby sh- from Beverly show, in addition to, you know, her being, you know, part-time captain and everything else is that Beverly knows how to handle people in a command structure that, you know, no matter whether she's directing a play or anything else, she's always – she has a command presence of people, which, you know, you don't see that in McCoy. You, you know, he's not a – he's never in charge of people. I mean, he's you know, he has all these other qualities, but he's, he's not like in charge of an away team or, you know, in charge of any small group except, you know, Nurse Chapel yelling at her and throwing things apparently. But anyway, but, you know, and so she she's a leader. I mean, that's that's why she has those three pips. Well, and, you know, Maddox did show up in the one season that <laughs> Beverly wasn't there, oh. <laughs> so helping balance the uh, the commanderness. I mean, I know Pulaski was, but, uh, yeah, and obviously this character, you know, that's there for six of the seven years as uh, she was off at Starfleet Medical, wink, wink, uh, during <laughs> the second year, apparently talking to Commander Hutchinson, which... Colin Hutch. Uh, Colin Hutch, yeah. Uh, which, no no reason there why she would want to leave that and uh, come back to the Enterprise. But, yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this when we were watching, uh, talking about Chaos on the Bridge and and just the meta outer world of... At least they didn't kill her character, you know, because they had already done that once. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but Beverly is gone for a whole year of... Uh, of Star Trek The Next Generation. and I think she missed about four inches. Uh. <laughs> nice, nice. But, yeah, so, but I mean, I was glad. I, again, I was young. I didn't realize what the heck was going on when I was watching this as a kid. It's like, oh, there's a new Doctor Ove, and she's back, and it, you kind of retcon it in your head. Like, was she even ever gone, really? Yeah, because, I mean, I think it really hates that when you have a new Doctor and you have people that want to bring the old Doctor back. I mean, that's really... Does she even take my HMO? I mean, yeah. it's... I mean, look, look, Tenet's not coming back. Wait, I'm, I'm, this is the wrong show. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> um, but what do, any other thing you guys want to say on uh, uh, 2365, the, the lost year? Uh, not unless you want to get into the whole why did she really leave no, fiasco. I mean, we can touch on it. We, we already kind of discussed this where she Gates was – obviously trying to just have a better character and and have well done episodes and you know have female characters given good stuff to do and being developed you know and you know how dare she but uh apparently that ruffled the wrong feathers and got her the boot yeah i mean it, it would be it's interesting to think about like i don't in my head, I don't think about what would have happened if she had been there for season two. What comes to my mind is what would have happened if she didn't come back for season three. Oh, yeah. That's because, a really good point. honestly, like, Pulaski was not popular. So yeah. what what would they have done? Would they have pulled, like, this a season one where they would have had just a rotating shift of... <laughs> Uh, we don't really have, you know, CMO, <laughs> chief engineer. Do we really? I mean, Star Trek has proven Look, the, we don't really need established people. The sick runs itself. People just, you just hyper-spray yourself. It's, it's, you don't really need. Ogawa gets an immediate promotion to CMO. Oh, now, wait a minute. Now you've, now, <laughs> now you've sold me now. <laughs> you sold me Dr. Ogawa. I'm watching the series. If it was if it was Ogawa or Salar, I would have loved it. It would have been that amazing. Been but a, a Vulcan doctor. I mean, that would have been yeah. that would have been interesting. We didn't we didn't get. I mean, of course, except unification, we never get data interacting with Vulcans, and I always thought that would is actually would be a really interesting dynamic uh, because That's of true. how logical data is as a character but how unlogical he wants to be. Anyways, this is not the data episode. I'm now um, picturing to like even that out, like Captain Cisco having like a wild card during that baseball game. And he's like, and here's our pitch hitter, Commander Data. I choose wait, Data. Wait, 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 wait. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, they win automatically at <laughs> that point. 
I'm pretty sure Data could pitch to himself and then hit a home run. So, um, yeah, but so it's like to me, what's interesting is thinking about. Like, I'm glad they brought Beverly back, and and oh, yeah. because she she is such a core part of TNG. Now that that we think about it, the whole series is complete. But I'm just I'm always curious. Like, what if Gates didn't want to? She's like, no, I had enough. And what would have happened? It would have been really interesting. I think. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Also, she was um, unlike some Klingon engineers I can think of. She, I, I forget, because she was pregnant during one of the seasons, or was it just between seasons? Because I, I, me- I remember it was after "Remember Me" that she learned she was pregnant after she like threw herself, you know, against the warp core in that little stun or whatever. And so, so, but I forget if that was near the end of the season or not. But I, I mean, I never noticed that if if she was. So. Well, they could just have her sitting in the conference table and. You know, there's there's ways. If she had some like there's, large covering no bag. that she wore yeah. that could, I don't know, like well. a jacket. But it would look so unnatural, right? Just, oh, she that's what she wore. Okay. Well, obviously, one of the the finding aspects, which definitely should have been tapped into more of her character, was she's a mother. She's a mother of the un, quote unquote eighth character lead character of this series with Wesley Crusher oh. and. I've seen a lot of people, you know, I've seen some people, uh, you know, discuss the fact that, you know, she doesn't really get a ton of credit for raising him pretty much on her own, you know, which in, and being in Starfleet, like that's, you know, I mean, Worf got shipped off to some, you know, foster parents, you know, Beverly raised her own son and, you know, (laughs) take that Worf. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, nobody ever counts Worf as a good parent. Let's nope. just, let's just nope. say that. <laughs> no. Uh, well, but, you know, it's, it's one. Yeah. Not to interrupt you, even though I'm doing it. Um, but like a lot of the criticism often is that oh, you know, the the female characters like with Beverly, she's always defined as a mother, but she really isn't. I mean, like to a negative degree, perhaps. But I mean, like you know, she's. It's not like you know, we just have Beverly around to be Wesley's mom. Um, because even though there is that relationship between her and Wesley, I don't feel like her being a mom is like that strict part of her role because you would say she really doesn't do it much, but you know, so. Well, they just don't show it as much as they should. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's almost, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because it's not, you know, she's not being like, you're a female, so you have to be mom. That's your role. It's like, eh, she's really a doctor more and a... Well, and she's a working mom. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, honestly, like... Dr. I, I do criticize her for, for, for these things a lot of times, too. But thinking about it, really, like, w- we see Wesley in season one. He's, what, 13 years old? It'd be hard to get bored on this ship. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no, Captain! But, my like, snowball! <laughs> <laughs> but really, like, I mean, if you're a 13-year-old on that ship... A, Presumably, mo- can't use the holodeck. I'm just privacy settings, parental settings. <laughs> Presumably, you would. Uh, I can just see the computer now being like, "I'm sorry, you're not." There are this, some this programs program is I'm rated NC. <laughs> you must rated be PG-13. I'm sorry. You must be this old to play the holodeck. Yeah, uh, you know. So it's <laughs> like. I don't know. That's that's at the age where you don't want to hang out with your parents and you want to go start to do your own thing. And maybe it's like just Wesley being Wesley that he's out doing these things and Studying doesn't have a super and homeworking. And uh, I think that's all he does. Yeah, and plus his boss is the guy that like dragged his father's body home to his doorstep no, when no, he was a kid. No, this isn't some Game of Thrones analogy. It's not like <laughs> the bloodied corpse of his father, you know, well, you wrapped there, in a bear skin. You were there. <laughs> I was in that flashback. Oh, were you? Uh, Did you have more hair? <laughs> I had less, surprisingly. No, um, rub it in, uh, Darren. Yeah. No, rub I see. I know in. what you're saying, though. Um, well, technically, and yeah, that's a whole. Technically, Riker was Wesley's boss. That's even worse that that was his parents. So anyway, well, that was yeah. That, that was only during season two when she wasn't around. Yeah, it's everyone's getting credit, but the mom. I don't know. But well, okay, so yeah, but Wesley and and her just interesting just story that they're trying to tell with Jack Crusher, which we see holographically and posthumously. And, uh, 
but I found, unfortunately, the because I guarantee it was kind of a later character that was fleshed out as far as like the writer's Bible. This is what the TNG writer's Bible said about the casting for Beverly Crusher. And this is obviously in the days when uh, I think Wesley was a girl. Leslie. Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leslie's 35 year old mother. She served <laughs> as the chief medical officer on the enterprise if it were not for her intelligence, personality, beauty, and the fact that she has a natural walk of a striptease queen, oh Captain Picard <laughs> might not have agreed to her request that Leslie observe bridge activities, therefore letting her daughter daughter's intelligence carry events further. Wow. So, so all right, speaking of auditions... <laughs> You, you just walk in, and the and the director of the casting is not the director, but the casting is like, all right. Um, so this is the thing. All right, can you show me your strip tease queen walk? That's going to be important for this role. I don't. Is this the most offensive thing I think I've ever read? <laughs> Good, like a Gene Roddenberry memo. Yeah. Yep. So there's doctors yep. kissing doctors, and there's. <laughs> Just get the captain laid, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> and they never did. And, but, and by the way, yeah. how are we coming on that uh, three-breasted counselor we wanted? Uh... <laughs> but, dear Lord. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I don't know if Gates saw this when she was auditioning. Hopefully not. Jeez. But I'm gonna have to watch you counter a whole lot closer now. <laughs> when she asked for that vault of fabric. Oh, but but yeah, that's just gosh, that's terrible. That's that's really bad. But um uh anyway, so yeah, I mean it's just oh to take it back to like our first point of this new character, this doctor character, but it's being presented in a completely different way and it feels like all the other characters were just very not micromanaged, but just very like scrutinize, like okay, well, this is the captain, you know, especially the captain, you know, being, you know, parallel to Kirk, but you know, I don't feel like anyone was trying to make Beverly Bones too, you know, or he's even on the ship in the first episode, you know, <laughs> that would have been awkward. Uh, yeah, that would have been. She's at least she didn't have his country colloquialisms or something, but just his country uh, cloak. But any well, other any other final thoughts well, you guys had on on Beverly Beverly Crusher well, Beverly uh, Howard Crusher the third very very shortly um uh, or short things um, no candle talk well, I I wasn't even gonna acknowledge it um anyway uh, but yeah I mean to me in a lot of ways Beverly is often the and this is gonna sound weird but go with me the adult in the room like she's always to me. <laughs> I don't want to say serious because that's not the right word, but she, she, even though like we, she's not the best doctor, but like she's always professional. Like she will always say what she thinks, um, you know, even yeah. if it's wrong. But but uh, she's she's a very clear professional, um, and then you know, and she also has that sort of wry humor that's alluded to and attached. Like you always have something smart to say. But I but I I I, th- I think I really respect her as a character because I mean I don't think she ever lays back. I mean that would be obviously the critique of female characters in TNG, like, oh, you know, we killed Yar because she was too mouthy. And then uh, Troy just sit there and look good, doll. Anyway. But, um, but I mean, I don't think Crusher, probably because of Gates, ever did that. I mean, she's if she's going to be there, she's most likely going to be doing something. Yeah, exactly. But uh, what did you, you think, Daniel, your final thoughts? Not that we can never ever talk about this character again. No, but in, for the purpose of this episode, that's it, fan <laughs> listeners. You said talk about her. This is it. No, I'm kidding. I'm, oh, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you know with what Philip was saying. It's just she was a stronger character as established than Troy was, right? So, like a lot of times when people talk about TNG characters, what comes up is is like the weakness of Troy's. And how, like, she did get better, but it was the tail end. Well, Beverly was actually a pretty strongly established character. So from the beginning, she was she was, uh, she was was a commander. She was a chief medical officer. She had this history with the captain that she could easily put behind her to be professional and to be good at her job. Unfortunately, uh, it could have been – it could have gone further than that throughout the series. And, I mean, it did to a degree, but it's just like – a lot of times she's just the one that's spouting, oh, this guy's going to turn into an orange glowing bodysuit by the end of the episode. And, you know, oh, like she's, <laughs> Gosh. 
she's relegated to the background a lot, which is too bad because she actually is an interesting and strong character. And I just wish, especially like in the movies that we got to see more of her, um, like honestly, other than the, her EMH scene in first contact. Yeah. Her talking about boobs scene with Troy and in insurrection. Uh, don't remind me. And I literally cannot mention a scene with and her. I think and, in Nemesis, she's she's proving that his that he is the clone. That's like her big scene. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so it's, it's the deleted scene where she's talking about being at Starfleet Medical. I think that's the back so when I was at Starfleet Medical. So it's just like there's just. It's not that the cat, the character as is is poor or weak. It's not at all. She's very strong. She's a great character. It's just that we don't get to see a lot of her. And it's I wish we had gotten to see more. But at least, like I said, at least what we got was was worth it. So. Oh, and also I, this is random, but just cuz I saw Gates tweeting about it like 2 weeks ago, and I know that I, I hate to do this talk about a hair about a women character profile, but she was talking about it. Did you know she wore a wig for like Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, for a good portion of it, yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Just a little weird tidbit. Um, well, I mean, just like Patrick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, but just I think you know, definitely, just definitely a great character. Uh, you know, I always enjoy you know the episodes that that feature her, and like I said, just wish that more more did so. A little more focus on her, you know, relationship with Wesley. I think would have been nice, but uh. But yeah, I mean, she just she just played a great a great character, um, and you know, like I said in the very beginning, kind of set a, a standard for Doctor characters in Star Trek going forward because uh, it we'd definitely gone away from the Bones model. Uh, we tried that again in season two, and it uh, didn't work. Um, and to be fair, we did get to see Beverly interact with the EMH. Yeah, I swear she would never uh-huh. use one of those things. <laughs> and that was a great scene. Let's be fair. That was, no, that that was, was fantastic. I, I think there was also an irony in sh- her telling him to do a dance. <laughs> do a dance, sing a song. <laughs> I'll give you a class. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, stop telling him what you would do. Just tell him what you want him to do. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Honestly, Beverly and the EMH would get along famously. Like, he loves to sing and be dramatic and do all of these things. Like That is true. Well, well, the Voyager EMH. Now, yes, the well, Voyager, to be right, fair, Voyager. you know, he's programmed with the experiences of many Starfleet doctors. It could be oh, that his true. characteristics come <laughs> from Dr. Beverly Crusher. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Not his hair, but, you know, definitely the dancing. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to have us end the episode without mentioning, uh, you know, because again, we've, we've only just barely scratched the surface with Beverly Crusher and one of our sister shows, Woman of Warp, has obviously talked a lot more about this great character. In fact, their first three episodes, if I quote, are uh, favorite female characters, women of TNG, and Starfleet women as captains, which, <laughs> you know, Beverly counts as all three of those. So she gets a great... Uh, crosscut and i can't wait to hear their talk on us her as a solo episode but definitely give them a listen as they have many more things to say about beverly crusher than than we were able to cover here uh but no i was i think it was good uh to cover the other commander of the uss enterprise and uh mcduff no not mcduff gosh but uh but beverly crusher not season two is not the only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Well, it's very small and intimate, and you get to see, you know, a lot of people whose work you've come to admire or whatever. And, I mean, that's what's kind of cool about it. The fact that it's in a hotel, it's at the Rio, <laughs> and, you know... Everyone is staying there. Earl Grey. Yeah, really, she's following the Hasbrat, I think, is really what it is. <laughs> Come for the revolution, stay for the Hasbrat. It's got to be fresh Hasbrat. None of that replicates. Like, Daniel's, like, at the, watching the end of this episode, like, tears are coming down the face. It's like, oh, it's the Hasbrat. It's so spicy. It's what it is. <laughs> the Orb. Also, the original title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding, which, when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish... 
That could have been a Riker episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axnar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! I do have one honorable mention. Name it. Prax! Oh, <laughs> How could we not have a top five season five moments without Prax? Warp five. It kind of like is akin to um, when fans saw the galaxy class in the next generation for the very first time. And you had a, basically a crew and civilian compliment of what, over a thousand people? About two thirds of that compliment were civilians and their families. So you d- actually did have teachers and scholars and scientists and their extended families on board. Commentary, Trek stars. One of the things that amazes me about the score for Star Trek The Motion Picture is that he he only had 50% of the movie available to him when he scored. So he, he was scoring an awful lot to scene missing, scene missing. The 602 Club. Where did he get the cloak from on the other planet? I really, really, really want to know. He shows up uh, with the he, cloak. He, he, he kind of fashioned it out of out of a rudimentary lathe. Uh. <laughs> Literary treks. It's a small point, but I thought it was really interesting to have here in the book because, again, that's what Star Trek Deep Space Nine has really always done for Star Trek, which is kind of make faith okay in the Star Trek universe and show how it's valid. And so I thought that was a really nice... Uh, and it, again, it's a it's a tiny point in the book, but I thought it was pretty powerful, at least for me, who is somebody who is a faith. So. Mm-hmm. Axanar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, that had its time. And there's a certain amount of charm still to that but it doesn't allow you to push the women narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back in my opinion Keiko could totally beat the crap out of Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> this is so like I cannot buy this at all that she's just sitting there being like oh my baby at the very least she could throw a plant at him or something <laughs> because we established in TNG that pot foo is a thing <laughs> And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek.fm show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trek.fm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash Trek FM today. So Daniel, if someone wanted to find you and talk to you about your 
Jean-Luc Beverly fanfic for season two, you know, why she really was gone. Maybe she was hiding the captain's yacht. I don't know. Or the main shuttle bay. There's plenty of places we haven't seen. Where would they find you? <laughs> um, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is at one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. And Philip, if they want to find you and talk to you about just how many commanders there have been on this galaxy class starship, where do they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. My handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC for nine commanders. There were. <laughs> now, and, and the funny thing is, all in the main shuttle bay. They were there the entire <laughs> time. Well, really, I mean, aren't all bays shuttle bays? There's a cargo bay. Which <laughs> is. Now wait wait are you Beaver saying are you saying cargo bay. bays are just really small shuttle bays? <laughs> uh, emergency power to analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and if they want to find me and talk to me about how because of her captaining the USS Pasteur, I thought all Starfleet uniforms were red in the future. Took me forever to freaking figure out that was command. Uh, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. So, guys, uh, yeah, I think uh, for some dichotomy, I'm going to go watch uh, Sub Rosa. And then um, after that, you know, just to wash it off, watch uh, Ethics. So it's going to just... Don't do it! Don't watch Sub Rosa! Oh, we've got, I didn't know we had Groundskeeper Willie on our <laughs> podcast. That's awesome. I'll live long and prosper. Make it so. <laughs> uh, engage. Fire. <laughs> <laughs>